Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Welcome to another episode of No BS Engineering. My name is Cal Evans, and along with my good friend, Mr. Mario Peshev. Hey, hi to everybody, Mario. Hey, everyone. Good to see you again. We are your hosts. Hey, um, Mario, something's been on my mind for uh, quite some time now, and I've been meaning to talk to you about it, but uh, honestly, we've been so busy. Both of us have been so busy this past year that we haven't had a lot of talk, time to talk. Mm. You build teams. And part of building teams of developers is mentoring. Hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how you build mentoring into your teams and your culture. Sure. So mentoring has been something that has been integral for me for the past probably 15 years. Hmm. Uh, back in 2006, I was teaching technical courses. And that's kind of how I started You know, joining industry events and presenting and then actually teaching courses. Um, it has been something that helped me scale up as an engineer myself. It's mm. something that helped me understand different concepts that I didn't quite get at work. And this is primarily the reason I'm very much passionate about mentoring and pet projects as being the two most integral pillars for building a sustainable uh, software engineering environment and building you know, hard, rock-hard-ass rock teams on board, you know, teams comprised of A-star developers. Yeah. So the way the way I kind of approach that is first through a systemized onboarding plan, which is something that we have for new people. Uh, we do have some training projects to start with, very well thought out projects, um, which focus primarily on the technical spectrum of things, but also on different challenges that we face at work. Meaning that every new developer starting, first off, they have a month working on an onboarding project, which covers dif dif different technical aspects of engineering, and then some caveats that you would normally face in a real-world scenario, such as, let's say, merge conflicts or fixing issues in um, code base that was initially developed a decade ago, that <laughs> kind of things which actually make you, make you think better. Uh, now, some of the tasks as well in the onboarding plan do require, or I should probably say are intentionally vague in order to understand how people communicate, how they answer, how they ask questions, where they see bottlenecks, and who would they see as the most appropriate people to get additional context from. So I would say that in addition, in addition to technical skills, communication is the next thing we're trying to assess critical thinking, analyzing requirements, uh, gathering context and dependencies from existing projects and things like that. So mm -hmm. that's kind of on a, on a more practical day-to-day -day requirements level. Aside from that, initially as building the themes, uh, what we really focus on is the high-level goals, the vision and the goals of the company or the team, uh, what we're in charge of, what are our top targets, what we should strive for and what we should um, stay away from or really protect ourselves from. Uh, these are very important things, especially as building multiple teams or kind of um, <clears throat> building teams of teams. Uh, it's something that matters quite a lot because in a larger organization or when coordinating with different organizations, it's really important to have separations of concerns and it's really important to, to um, kind of create teams that are not as the 
dependent on each other in a sense that creates um, lack of responsibility or rather shared responsibility means uh, you know a total lack of responsibility yeah so this is another thing that we do you know in larger organizations or even if we for example have a team of 10 people and we decide to break them down into smaller teams of three to four people uh, what we try to analyze is how this team fits into the specific environment uh, how it works together independently as uh, a separate team and how this corresponds with the other parts of the organization as well, which is something that's fairly important. Um, <clears throat> additionally, again, there are lots of different angles to take a look at, but um, we do have uh, biannual reviews, which means that we are gathering a lot of feedback from the past, say, six months, uh, what went well, what went wrong, how did people progress, and we're trying to work out some form of career plans, or at least trying to map out business objectives with the individual um, requirements, or rather not really requirements, but wishes and dreams and, and desires of our teams in order to create the best possible way of building a career plan that people are excited for, and at the same time, something that can bring revenue so that, you know, payroll is something that's justifiable. Uh, one example for that is uh, lots of our people during our last feedback session in December, uh, they... Uh, our backend developers said that they're pretty passionate about JavaScript, they want to learn more React and so forth. Uh, so part of our roadmap planning includes a lot more, uh, let's say, headless development and different initiatives such as Gutenberg and WordPress and so on uh, that emphasize more on JavaScript and React in order to help them become better full-stack developers through mastering JavaScript and HTML and CSS better. And, of course, on a day-to-day, -day, we do have different layers and different tiers for communicating with people, escalating requirements, capturing certain problems, and discussing that both individually on a one-on-one, -on -one, and then as a team in order to, to again, work uh, as a crew together, you know, being um, close to each other, being working kind of not just independently, but relying on one another uh, to make a given project a success. Very cool. Boy, you, you you touched on a bunch of stuff there. Um, let's, I, I'm not even sure where to begin. You talked about teams and not blocking each other. Um, what's, when you put together, or when you hire a new developer, um, what is, what, what's your target team size? I mean, I've worked on teams and I've built teams, everything from um, what I like to call the Texas Ranger model, one problem, one developer, um, all the way up to, um, I had one, one um, I was director of IT at this one company and I had uh, three teams and each team had three members and each team tackled one problem. And then they came, you know, when they finished that problem they and it got approved, they would just move on to the next problem as a team, but they always stay together as a team. Um, and there are pros and cons to both of those models. When you're looking to hire someone, um, uh, you know, what's your average team size and why did you choose that? So it really depends because over the course of time, I've discovered different models that work. And this depends quite a lot on the organization, on the existing team culture, uh, existing priorities, and the future kind of roadmap and plans for the organization. I'm going to give you several examples here. Um, in terms of what we do here, what we try to do is more or less teams of, let's say, four to six people. 
However, some of those teams are shuffling between projects, meaning that you may have, you know, four or five people working alongside you on one project, but then you have one of those people working with you on another project with three other people, right? This is the type of diversity that we are trying to bring in here. Yeah. For product businesses, sometimes we try to build larger teams because products are not as, um, as urgent and roadmaps are generally longer and sprints are generally longer as well. No. Meaning that you don't have to coordinate as much on a day-to-day or, I don't know, delays don't really take that much. Meaning that even a team of 10 people is something that's fairly sustainable as they can work, uh, you know, fairly well together on a, on a day-to-day. And on the other end, I do have a couple of my old kind of high school buddies, which are technical adepts as well, fairly experienced, I, would, I should say. And uh, both, both examples that I've had in mind, they work as the so-called individual contributor, which is one of the popular ways to say a rock star who isn't a team leader, but can <laughs> you know, lead a project alone, right? Yep. Uh, I think you were working as an individual contributor in some projects or so. Correct me if yes. I'm wrong. Yeah. Yes. I'm working on a team, but it is the one developer, one problem model. So that, yeah. you know, individual contributors, well, we, we pull tickets off of the Trello board that have been approved. We do, uh, we go as long as it takes. <laughs> the one I'm working on was labeled small, but then somebody else came in and said, oh, hey, while you're doing that, why don't you do this? So three weeks later, I'm still, I'm finishing up today a small project. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, but I've worked in both. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in the, the multi-team collaborative and I've worked in the individual. Yeah, I see, I see different patterns at work. For instance, I'm uh, mentoring a Magento agency. Uh, it's kind of, I'm consulting them on different things. And mm-hmm. The way they work uh, is teams of three work uh, work really the best. But this is based on the amount, the number of team leaders they've got and the best allocation distribution of resources. So, for example, they do have one team lead and two other developers working on, let's say, three to four projects. Mm-hmm. And this is something that works really well there. If we move back to a single developer, single problem, we won't have the responsibility and the creativity and, you know, just managing timeframes and everything else. So this doesn't really work well in that scenario. At the same time, if we have larger teams, the team leads aren't experienced enough to be able to juggle with so many people at the same time. And the project management team also cannot really help out that much because there are lots of different technical requirements. So this is, again, another example where this doesn't really fit in as well. Additionally, because developers are, of course, kind of the, the, the bread and butter of a platform, we also have to consider different roles and different um, different responsibilities that are outside of tech, which get introduced to a team. For instance, we have the project manager, we have a QA engineer, we have uh, different people from the front-end team that are not necessarily developers, like you know, mostly designers or UX people. We may have marketing team and other parties involved in the process. So. Uh, again, depending on the size, depending on the roadmap, depending on the duration of the sprints, we may try to build a combination where we still have several devs available, but we also have to account that the team is larger, so we don't want to introduce 10 developers in a team and 10 other people because mm-hmm. meetings would be impossible and oh, counterproductive yeah. and everything else. And again, at the same time, one of the reasons why our teams are mostly based on shuffling people across projects or rather having people participating in two or three teams at the same time is we do want to have the backup 
option of, you know, whenever someone's on a sick leave or something else, we do need someone who can step in and take care of whatever's happening during yeah. this course of time. So we always have, we're always isolating the bus factor here. This is just something that's a priority for us because we have lots of high traffic projects. And, you know, one of the reasons why we can just have someone, you know, being sick or unavailable and the high traffic project being down for a couple of days, this would be, uh, yeah. you know, a, a, a scenario that we cannot really afford. What are the best teams that you have worked at in terms of organization and team size and, and kind of breakdown? Well, you know, you, you brought up some some interesting points. Um, I personally find the one developer, one problem model best suited when I'm doing the development. Um, not that I don't play well with others, but that it, I find that I'm much more productive and can knock it out quicker. But that does not lend itself to mentoring. I'm not, I don't have the opportunity to um, teach junior developers the things that I'm learning or the, you know, help them along the way. So um, the team that I'm on, you know, I said it's one developer, one problem, but it's really a one developer, one problem, but the team's going to help you. So if I had like I hit a blocker yesterday and it turns out that there was the, the blocker I hit was a major blocker. The entire team jumped on a Zoom call. We spent an hour and a half on a Zoom call figuring this out. And I didn't actually I'm not actually the one that solved this problem or implemented the code to fix it. Uh, I'm implementing my code, but, <clears throat> you know, all I did was find it. The whole team came together, hmm. including our junior developer. We've got a junior and he jumped on and he didn't contribute a lot, but we didn't expect him to. He, he learned. And, and that is, uh, it, it was a great teachable moment for him to see a side of the system that he's not um, got a, um, not got insight into. And when I was working with your teams, one of the things that I loved was that um, you know, I was um, advising on three different projects. I'd mm. see some of the same developers in two of those projects and, you know, other ones in other two projects. And, and it was great to see that um, cross-pollination of not only knowledge, but ideas, because mm. then you've got one developer that says, hey, over in project A, we're doing this, and that would work here in project B. And, you know, without that cross-pollination, it might take B, you know, weeks to figure out that particular solution. But now... Mm. You know, you 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 you're spreading that around. Um, I've worked on teams like that, and I've, I've managed teams like that. The, my only downside to teams like that is um, they tend to be less productive but more creative. Their mm -hmm. solutions, when they finish the solutions, are um, as good or better than the the single developer, but they take a little bit longer because you've got those communication points that have got to go and uh, got to keep going, and um, you know, they, uh, what is it? Jeff Bezos famously said, you know, no team should be larger than can be fed by two, two large pizzas. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and that's for, for most developers, that's a team of four. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, you know, my teams have, um, I found when I was managing large, and when I say large organizations, uh, 15, 20 is about the most I ever had under me. Um, I found teams of three to just be about the right size. And if I brought on a junior, I could put that junior on a team of three, but I never really counted that person until they'd been there six months to a year. I never really counted that person in the productivity of the team. You know, after six months or a year, yeah, I expected them to start to be a um, significant contributor. 
But, um, you know, me personally, and this is one of the reasons I kind of am enjoying uh, contracting is mm-hmm. contracting is go do this, you know, and, and they, you know, they turn me loose. I go do that. And then I come back to, okay, that's done. What's next. And that, that works well for me and the organization I'm contracting for right now. Um, that's, that's how they have built this and it, it works great. Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. The upside to having now been there for a while is I have a lot of institutional knowledge. So when they onboard other contractors, there's different rules for contractors and employees. Mm -hmm. When they onboard other contractors, I'm able to help those other contractors and mentor them. Okay, you need to do this. This is how you set that up. And when um, when they start looking for information, I'm like, okay, I had to go down this road six months ago. Here's who you need to talk to and get permission and that kind of stuff. So I am able to share my institutional knowledge, even in this um, single, single person, single problem um, paradigm. Um, Now I'm going to throw you a softball here because I know the answer to this. (laughs) Do you build into you, you, you hire developers, whether they're, um, senior or junior, and we've talked about hiring juniors remote. Um, we won't go back into that, but even any of developers, do you plan on training that person once you bring them on board? Um, yeah, so we do hire junior developers. Um, I, I believe we discussed that in one of the previous episodes. Right now, during COVID and lockdowns and whatnot, it's a bit tougher, even though we currently we have like three junior people on board, for example. Uh, over the past few months and they have been scaling up and they've been improving upon their skills and things are kind of getting um, to a better shape. Now, again, it's um, with juniors, the tricky bit is nobody can really define a junior in a very consistent manner because, again, depends on what the organization needs, what sort of qualities they actually require and so forth. I've seen companies that only hire junior developers to, for example, uh, the company is building an accounting software, um, I've actually done that in a company. I have to be honest, back in the day, like very long time ago, but an accounting software or a near piece, something like that. And uh, I was a junior back then. Um, someone was building forms with uh, Jasper reports in Java and, you know, just creating the accounting forms and generating reports, external reports, generating some templates and so forth, integrating the software, making the export use this template and piping the right data, right? So, the kind of task I was assigned to do for a while, along with two other repetitive tasks, was, you know, someone did this this way, so, you know, you need to do this for another 30 screens, right? Just, <laughs> you know, redo the template and pipe in the right data and make sure that the filters work, right? So, um, again, I mean, there was a lot to learn there, right? I had to learn, again, quite a lot in a large code base, but essentially it was more of a grunt work that, you know, someone has already figured out the heavy lifting and they said, 
this is uh, just copy pasted like 30 different times. Since it was in Java, it actually took quite a while because there are lots of files and lots of connections to do, lots of service workers and whatnot. But uh, the point is some organizations rely on juniors to do that. Yeah. Large project, 50 things to do, you figure it out once and then you assign it to junior to repeat. In other cases, however, um, a junior should be able to solve specific problems for existing solutions, right? And they have small, tiny, independent tasks across one or two or three projects, and they need to understand the context, they need to understand how to fix something without really breaking the entire environment, yada, yada, yada. In some organizations, again, you assign juniors two internal tools first so that there is no pressure and no timeframes, um, and it's kind of more easygoing in order to let them um, you know, get comfortable at their own pace, more or less. Now, the problem with those internal projects, let's say internal tools or, I don't know, documentation building or Slack bots or something like that, the problem is that they're always low priority and you may always be stuck with existing client emergencies or Q4 yeah. or whatever else goes uh, in your way. And, and this may kind of affect the productivity of a junior. Or actually, the junior may simply have a very hard time starting and you can't quite identify that early on, right? But yeah, there are different cases. And actually, one of the, one of the topics, because we're also discussing quite a lot of teams and, and mentoring is kind of the key concept here, is I do see mentoring as an integral skill for, first off, pretty much everyone. But there are two categories, in my mind at least, on top of my head, that I feel are the most coachable in terms of needing the, most, the highest level of mentorship. The first one is junior developers and entry levels, right? Because they know nothing about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or they lack skills <laughs> at everything. So basically, they just need a lot of help. As with everyone who's 18 and just starting a first job, of course. Um, and, and then there's a second category, which I can't quite pinpoint, but I would say it's probably the, um, the, the gap between leaving the role of a mid-level up to just promoted as a senior, right? Because the way I see it is, right, juniors and, like, very early juniors and so forth, they need a lot of mentoring just because they don't have the skills, they need to learn a lot about lots of things and so forth, right? So they're kind of a clear segment in my head at least. Then mid-level developers, however, they do need some coaching, but they can solve some problems themselves. Um, seniors normally sort out the complex stuff on their end or just jump in whenever needed. Mm -hmm. And mid-levels are also in that state where they do have sufficient knowledge of lots of things and they know they have to grow a lot and they already have some form of a roadmap for a few years that I need to get better at this. There's a lot of time I need to spend in learning databases better or this framework or this or design patterns or whatever it is. So they're kind of more standalone in that case. They, they reach the point where they understood they can deliver and they feel good, but at the same time, there's a lot to learn and they just need to be patient on the job. Um, and, and just get, you know, busy uh, getting better at work, right? Uh, super senior developers and architects, they do need mentoring of a different type, so I wouldn't, it's kind of a less frequent, it's more of a strategy or career development, like bigger picture, what can you do, like, in the company, or like, what sort of, can you become a VP of something, or maybe if someone needs to become, uh, wants to become a technical project manager, do they have the soft skills for that? So I kind of don't include them in the same way I don't include mid-levels. Uh, but the kind of promotion from mid-level to senior, I also see that as a separate jump of like, hey, now you should be fully independent, more or less, 
and you should think a lot more strategically and you need to conceptualize a lot better for the project that you're working on. Uh, so there are completely different skills you need to learn here. It's no longer about development itself. It's yeah. about project planning. It's about functional analysis. It's about lots of other kind of business analyst skills and even technical project management skills, maybe technical sales skills, just participating in conversations and uh, figuring out different things you can do. Uh, so I do see this category as also a lot of, uh, you know, demand in mentoring this group of people before they leave and mm -hmm. probably a group that lots of people just um, ignore or don't see the need of mentoring when the time comes. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that this breakdown is more or less correct? Do you think that kind of other categories also need a lot of mentoring? Well, you're actually doing it. So I think your definition is correct. Um, when I was building teams, um, my, my, Cutoff point for mid-level and senior, I expect my high-level mid-developers to be able to act as seniors. The point at which they could jump to senior was when they could prove that they could mentor. Mm -hmm. When they could take a junior and raise them up, then at that point, they become a senior. Because um, I had, um, for, for the, the team I was working on, we were working in medical software, and it was uh, medical is very exacting. Um, you know, there's not a lot of room for error. So um, I expected my, my mid-level developers to be solid developers and to be able to step out on their own if necessary and do this stuff. And by the time they hit high-level mid and were ready to make that jump, I expected them to be able to do most of the stuff you would see a senior do. The catalyst, what kicked them over and said, yes, you're ready for senior, was can you mentor someone? And um you know, the, the, the test was real easy. The next time we brought a junior developer on, I was like, okay, I assigned them to you. You're their buddy for the next six months. Let's see what you can do. And, you know, I we brought on, on that team, uh, we brought on four juniors and I had three people make or the, get to the point where they could make the jump to senior when I had the position available. Um, one person did not do it. And they realized that we didn't kick them off the team. They were perfectly happy where they were. They loved the team, but they, they just, they realized that teaching and mentoring was not their thing. Yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, I, I've hired people that their sole goal was doing maintenance on software. They don't want to do new development, but man, they love keeping the stuff going and, yeah. uh, and they were good at it. So you know, but there's a lot less pressure in just keeping it going than there is in building new software. And, and that's a that's a valuable skill. Um, it's not something that I think you should look down on. But that's how I break them down. Um, and then I always had one architect level, which, you know, the best senior I had would always be promoted to architect. And that was a person that when they, they were supposed to keep the big picture in mind. And so when we got ready to... Um, to add something or add a new system or something like that, they would jump in and say, okay, this is how I think we should build this. And um, they would lead the discussion. It's still always a discussion. They didn't hand down an edict or anything, but uh, they would lead the discussion on the new software. And how would you kind of, what are your KPIs for those seniors that have to mentor uh, new junior developers? Like, I mean, obviously the junior should reach to a point where they're comfortable producing some code with, you know, little supervision and stuff, but kind of, do you set some KPIs? Like what do you expect them to focus on or main skills or any expectations for that process? Well, 
it, you know, mentoring to me is, is is kind of soft, so it's hard to set a specific KPI. But when I would give a senior a junior to mentor, we would at least in our one-on-ones at once a month, we had one-on-ones more regularly, but once a month, we would discuss their junior and how they're coming along. And I would keep a feel for how how that relationship is going. The one that did not make it, it was early on, it was fairly obvious, this is not working out. Um, but I did give that person the the, the chance to, you know, self-correct. Um, but eventually we had to, we moved the junior over. If I'm seeing progress in the junior, then I know, you know, they're, they're getting uh, everything they need. If the junior is constantly coming to me and asking me questions, then, you know, simple questions like, how do I do this or how do I do that? Then I know that that relationship is not um, working out. Um, you know, if I have to go to the junior to ask them how things are going, then I know that they're getting everything else they need. Um, but, you know, it, it, you know, you, you, you keep a temperature on, or you keep a, a, a check on your, your teams. I know that because I've watched you do it. Um, you can tell if things are going right and if things are going wrong. And, you know, if things are going wrong, you can try to correct them, but sometimes it just isn't going to work. So. Yeah, it's, and that's kind of another interesting question. Not even sure. Maybe it's another topic on its own, but um, one of the few challenges we've got with this approach, because we also try it is, if you hire someone who simply isn't a good fit, right? They just don't fit the organization for whatever reason, right? And you part ways in, let's say, three months, it may be really excruciating for the mentor to just see their, you know, body going after they spent so much, so yep. long on them. And at the same time, especially in a scenario like the one you quoted, you know, three people can mentor three or four people, as an example. And some of the juniors just lacking the skills or the motivation or the persistence, then... Yep. This is one of the challenging aspects of management that really strikes me. And yeah, I'm curious, like how would you how would you explain that to a team? Like, hey, like it's not you, but like it's still up to you to coach them and bring them up to speed. But however, keep in mind that they're also their own individuals with their own priorities. So how would you explain that in this case? I think we've got a whole episode on hiring practices because I've got a very specific way I do it. Um, but when I have to let somebody go, fire somebody, let's not beat around the bush. When I have to fire somebody, especially somebody who hasn't been there long and it just didn't work out, okay? I take that very personally. That means that I failed, okay? My team did not fail. Even though the yeah. team is integral in my hiring process, I am the one who owns it and I take it very personally. Um, that having been said, I've had to do it. Um, I think I've hired 50, 60 developers in my career and um, I've had to fire five. And it, it you know, it, my personality is such that when I fail um, big like that, it takes me a day or two to recover. And, um, but, you know, you, you have to. Um, one of my great mentors um, was CEO of a company. He hired me and I was talking to him about this because we had one that just wasn't working out. And he said, a clean knife cuts sharp. He said, you know, yeah. cut them out, get it over with, move on now rather than later. Because the longer you let this go on, the worse things are going to go. And um, I just uh, eventually had to, um, to to let that one that one go and... Um, yeah, I tried everything to to resolve that one um, to the point where 
I probably should have cut cut that person loose about a month before I did. Um, I was just I was I was trying to save face for me, and, and that that was wrong for the team. And you know, my 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 boss and mentor helped me understand that. So, um, but you know, when it happens, it happens, and you know, as the team lead, as the um, director, you know when things aren't aren't working out. If you're doing your job well, you know when things aren't working out. So. Um, Step in, try to correct it. If you can't correct it, cut them loose and move on. Um, get it over with quick. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a tough, uh, tough job to be to to have, especially with juniors where you don't really have the background or the recommendation check or whatever it is. So sometimes it works, sometimes it, it's just not a great fit. Yeah, a lot of juniors, you know, we take a chance on. Uh, I hired a gentleman that had um, his, his sole business experience was for the past three years, he had scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins. But he showed me the projects he'd been working on at night. And, you know, he'd been coding and learning coding and everything. And I, I you know, the, the code was readable, you know, and I love the fact that he was taking the initiative. You, know, you show me that you're interested in this that to me is is, is real important you know, you know motivation because uh the old saying is um hire for attitude you can train for aptitude so well i think that one brings us to the end of this and so i thank you audience for being with us um hey do us a favor if you haven't um, done so already, go out um, to your favorite podcasting network that you listen to us on and leave us a rating. Give us um, five thumbs up, five stars, whatever it is. Hey, if there's something we can do better, please drop me an email, cal at calevans.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know how we can make this better for you. And we'll see you right here next time on No BS Engineering. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone.